Hey, this is Brandy Van Patten, the Chief Clinical Officer with Logicoy, and you're listening to Framework Focus. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. listening to Framework Focus, the podcast that explores trends, innovations, and insights in the long-term care pharmacy industry. Join us as we connect the entire LTC ecosystem. Hello, I'm Dr. Mark Bolden, and you are listening to Framework Focus, brought to you by Softwriters, the first and only software firm 100% focused on the unique needs and workflows of long-term care pharmacies. With me today are two very special guests, Gene Hall and Brandy Van Patten from Logicoy, and we are going to be talking about big data, big insights, data on steroids, quite literally, and we're going to be pulling back the curtain on prescription drug monitoring programs, talking about how these programs operate, how they tie into your daily workflow at the pharmacy, and the value that you can get out of your relationship with the PDMP. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, my guest here. We have Gene Hall, who's the Program Director for PDMP Solutions at Logicoy, and Brandy Van Patten, a fellow pharmacist, and also with a background in long-term care, uh, who is the Chief Clinical Officer at Logicoy. Gene, Brandy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us, Mark. Um, My pleasure. So just to give our listeners a little bit of background, because We all know what the PDMP is, but they may or may not be familiar with who Logicoy is and the role your firm plays in the collection reporting of PDMP data. So tell us a little bit about yourselves and your background uh, and how you got to Logicoy. Yeah, so um, graduated from the Medical University of South Carolina. I'm a South Carolinian, that accent um, is real. And I've uh, been in the actual long-term care world for quite some time, started out, I knew I wanted to do something clinical. And so when I graduated, actually before I graduated pharmacy school, I had the wonderful opportunity to work um, in a long-term care facility. It was a nursing facility that was attached to a hospital and just thoroughly enjoyed the work. I thought the medications were fascinating, that um, medication therapy management was still you know very much a huge need and so decided to pursue that long-term care geriatric pharmacy route and actually um, worked in not just South Carolina but also North Carolina Virginia the District of Columbia and Maryland I was able to get pharmacy license in all of those states and continue to work um, mostly in long-term care in the geriatric uh, also assisted living groups and and some group homes so um, really did see kind of um, both ends of the spectrum, some younger, younger um, kiddos, and then all the way, you know, up to those who, who are in a nursing facility type setting. And um, I also had the great unique opportunity to work at the VA for a while. So really got to see, you know, both sides of the spectrum, not just uh, how medications are filled for these people to get them in, you know, the right dose to be delivered, but also, uh, again, getting to make clinical decisions uh, with physicians, was able to actually do a pharmacy practice um, with a physician in North Carolina, so I could do some prescribing of some of the medications as well. So just really a great experience there. And when my husband uh, moved us to the Midwest, I'm sitting in Omaha right now, that is how I got involved in the PDMP world. So Nebraska Prescription Drug Monitoring Program actually collects all medications, quite progressive, and was able to work with um, that group. That's how I actually found Logicoy through doing integrations. And they really offered what I thought was uh, a very um, dynamic way to integrate Uh, the medications that are coming out of the prescription drug monitoring program into the pharmacy software. So it was a, I called it the easy button, but a one-click way to get to that PDMP data. And uh, I 
was looking for kind of a, a different change um, as mom of four. And so joined Logicoy. It's been almost two years now. And we just keep expanding in states and expanding products and um, couldn't be happier to to be with the team. Oh, that is such an incredible story. I, I love I love the way your crew path ties from long-term care to working with the VA to working in collaborative practice. You know, uh, you describe Nebraska as progressive. And I think that's really interesting to point out because when we think about uh, pharmacy laws, pharmacy regulations, and how pharmacies practiced in the U.S., it, it's not a clear red state, blue state division like we see with a lot of other uh you know, types of professions, types of political issues. This really crosses the divide. Healthcare is a perennial bipartisan topic. And really the states that are at the forefront of, you know, modern pharmacy practice and really pushing the envelope of what pharmacies can do. You know, we tend to see a lot of progress, in, you know, in those Midwest states. We see it in Iowa, we see it in Nebraska, you know, we see it in places like South Dakota and Idaho. Um, and, and again, when we think progressive, this may not be what we think of, but really, uh, that's where a lot of innovation is happening in figuring out just how a pharmacist can impact, you know, a patient's care as part of a team. Uh, love that. Gene, uh, uh, tell us about your background. So uh, my background is also from the healthcare arena, just a slightly different path. Um, I began my career in healthcare as a provider liaison, working with physician practices and other community organizations that, um, in the area of the hospital I worked with and then moved from there to a behavioral health network with the same organization. But I was that geek who was always creating things in my office to make our, our processes more efficient. Um, and somewhere along the way, the IT organization in, in um, the organization I worked for, Catholic Health Initiatives, recruited me to come to their side of the fence to work in IT. And I began my career there um, in a term that might not be real familiar with people, but in the methodology group where we we built repeatable processes so that we were doing, it's kind of the predecessor of Six Sigma and ITIL and those kind of things, um, and then moved from there into uh, implementation support and then finally as a CIO of a hospital. Um, I left that, that world uh, about 10 years ago to go to the state and work for the prescription drug monitoring program. Uh, they were definitely looking for someone who understood healthcare and the business of healthcare and understood the technology. Um, and I left the PDMP, the Kentucky uh, All Schedule Prescription Electronic Reporting System or the Kentucky PDMP CASPER um, in July and joined the Logicoid team um, to provide some leadership in the development of our PDMP solutions. That's awesome. You know, I the one thing we all have in common is, you know, having that healthcare background and then moving into a technology role uh, showcases not only the demand for the specific type of leadership and uh, ability that you bring to the team as that very specialized uh, type of individual, but really showcases the broader scope of that, you know, what you can do with your degree and what you can do with your career in healthcare. There's a ton of pathways out there that can provide a rewarding and engaging career, uh, you know, especially in technology. Um, and, and I've loved being in tech. I've been here for like five years and, and now I'm hosting a podcast, which I, I truly love. This is my passion. So let's get into it and tell us a little bit about Logicoy. So who is Logicoy? What are we talking about? What does Logicoy actually do? So Logicoy is a um, technology company. Um, and if you look at our website, you would think we were only healthcare technology, but we're very far from that. Um, our company is a privately owned company. Our founder, Fred Abedi, um, is an amazing individual. Um, somebody, everybody should get the opportunity to talk uh, to because uh, he's fascinating. Ted or Fred's background came from, uh, he was with Sun Microsystems for many years. And at Sun, uh, he was a part of a team that invented something that is kind of a foundational element of data sharing, even today in 
in application technology. It was called Enterprise uh, Service Bus or Open Enterprise Service Bus is the um, solution or the technology that we actually utilize that Fred was key in helping create um, open ESB as an infrastructure for for systems to actually speak to each other. Um, and so that's where Fred's originated, where this company originated. Um, but Fred has a big passion for healthcare and specifically healthcare in this arena um, in the PDMP world. Um, and so he has dedicated his company to a portion of his company to providing solutions in, in this arena and prescription drug monitoring programs. Um, and he likes to put out into the world technology that is affordable, um, useful, meeting the customer's need. Um, he likes to make sure that his customers have, um, it's not a one size fit all kind of solution. He's really, uh, great at developing dynamic solutions that can be adjusted to the needs of an organization. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of his claims to fame, if if you would say. The other one is um, just the fact that he really believes in the affordability of technology. Um, to, to understand that he was part of a team that created something that is open source software used in lots and lots and lots of systems across uh, the world. Um, and there, you know, if you know what open source means for some of our listeners, they might not know what that means, but open source software is software that is freely available to the people who want to use it. Um, there's no charge for open source software. And he was instrumental in putting something out there that is an infrastructure under uh, underlying the exchange of information in many, many systems. And he did it, you know, with, not as a product to sell, but as a product that makes communication between systems better um, for everybody and for, at no cost. You know, that's truly remarkable. Um, you know, so when we look at Logicoy um, and the open source software that it's your products are built upon, right? So uh, tell me about Logicoy's relationship with the state PDMPs. So um, Alagicoy offers a variety of solutions. So it depends on um, which state, what our relationship is. We do have a PDMP um, software solution. Uh, our Pennsylvania uses that software. It hosts the entire system from submission of data to provision of reports, uh, as well as all of the management, public health, um, management tools that that the state would need. It has um, a solution available for law enforcement in Pennsylvania. So it's kind of the whole package. And so we have relationships like that one in Pennsylvania where we provide the entire solution. Um, we have uh, relationships like the one we have in Illinois where we are a technology partner with the state of Illinois. Um, so virtually everything that's offered in Illinois is run on their systems. Um, and yet we provide technology support for them. Uh, we help with them with integration. Uh, we can help them at any time with their portal if they would like or their database. So we're kind of their technology partner. Um, and then we have relationships with states like Kentucky and California, Maryland, where we are an integration partner. So we're helping connect um, electronic health records and pharmacy management systems to the PDMP. Uh, and so we sit more on the side of the healthcare organization, but we see ourselves as, fully as a partner to those states as well, because they're, they've are they been kind enough to allow us to provide a solution in their states. So we try to at least have uh, for them some no-cost tools that they can use to monitor those solutions that we're providing. So we have a variety of relationships with states, and that's one of the way, things we pride ourselves on is that we can be the partner you need us to be. Um, we don't try to be, you know, you be the organization we need you to be as a software vendor. We're going to try to be the partner our partners need us to be. Um, and so we have a variety of models. And just That's to uh, follow up on what Jean had to say, 
I mean, we want to truly meet the state where they are. They want to remain an independent PDMP because no one knows their people better to me than the state. And I know a lot of a lot of folks have talking about talked about a national PDMP. And, you know, here again, um, the states know what they need uh, for their people. And we want to come alongside. We don't want to convince people to go another way. We really want to come along aside, come along aside and say, what can we do to, you know, assist you keep keep things the way they are, improve technology? How can we help you? And, you know, I think about, um, you know, that kind of elevator conversation where you can talk about your company in, in just a few seconds on an elevator ride. And if I had to do that, I would say, you know, Logicoy is great at being transparent. That data is not ours. It belongs to the state. It belongs to those individuals who are submitting it to the pharmacies. And we also want it to be very cost effective, like Jean mentioned, and we want it to be customizable. We really want people to be able to say, this is what we know our people need. This is what we know that our pharmacists, our physicians, nurse practitioners, dentists, the whole nine yards, we know that they're going to get this out of their data. And we want to be able to be the ones to, who can customize it to to make sure that they're getting what they need clinically. Because at the end of the day, there's a patient that we need to take care of. Yeah, we we really see ourselves um, not not as a technology companies. There's some sometimes there's technology companies out there that think that technology is the driver of business. Quite honestly, business should be the driver of technology. Um, technology should be kind of the supporting you know, the supporting team that's helping the business go forward. And so I think we really see ourselves as the type of technology partner that is here to enable business, not drive it. We're here to support uh, what our customers want and need um, and in the way that makes sense for them. You know, those comments resonate with me really strongly because uh, at Soperators, we're a B2B uh, you know, enterprise level solution, right? Where you're making a product and it really depends on what the customer needs to get out of that product. You know, you can't just make a one size fits all solution because the needs of your customers and then you guys, the different states are going to vary quite a bit. You know, one of the things people might not know is that your PDMP does not look the same state to state. Some states, these programs are run by the board of pharmacy some they're run by the Department of Health and have a more epidemiology type of role. And in some, it's more a law enforcement role and they're run by, you know, the attorney general or the state police. So we have a lot of different models for how a PDMP can be set up, you know, depending on how the state wants to implement it, how they want to use that data, you know, to inform policy. So let's talk about the the prescription drug monitoring program itself. Uh, so I think we all know what a PDMP is, but I'd love to hear, uh, you know, your perspective on it. You know, what is a prescription drug monitoring program to you? And why are these programs so important to pharmacies? You know, I really do see the PDMPs in states, uh, no matter what they're collecting, if it truly is just the scheduled substances or if it's all medications, but we want it to be the source of truth. So we want to be able to, especially in the long-term care setting where someone may not can tell you I'm on A, B, and C, then we do have another resource that we can go to. And because of, you know, our strive for good not just good, great data to go in there, then we really want it to be um, kind of this conglomeration, no matter what pharmacy you've gone to, um, what physician you've gone to or prescriber, then we pull it all together to be this one-stop um, source of truth. Again, wanting to make sure data quality and quantity play a big role in that, but but coming to it and as a pharmacist, especially one that came to the long-term care or comes from the long-term care setting, you're always looking for that med list. I, I could do amazing things if I just had a med list that I was comfortable with. The labs could come later or I could get them ordered. I could get physician notes later. Um, you know, you might have a couple of questions about why, why they're on a specific medication at a specific dose. But for the most part, just getting a hold of that med list to me is so huge. And then obviously, um, not that we don't have medications that are, are not controlled that can obviously do a lot of harm. We talk about our diabetic medications, having the right 
medication for your thyroid treatment, so on and so forth. Even blood pressure medicine is very important to make sure you have the right dose. But a lot of those controlled substances, because of you know them crossing the blood-brain barrier and having those side effects that can really impact someone, just making sure that that's the information that you're collecting and it's it's truthful to you and it can help take care of the patient. So patient safety, you know, diversion is obviously um, one of the reasons it was created. So you know, lots to me as a as a practicing pharmacist, lots of good information that you can glean out of a PDMP. If not only to see, you know, where your patient is going, um, you know, who they're seeing before they even come to you. You may even be able to pick up on, you know, perhaps they are seen by a cardiologist. Um, for for the majority of their medications, but then you know perhaps they're they're being seen by um, a, an orthopedist, and and you had no idea, but that prescription drug monitoring program kind of led you to that because of a medication they may be prescribed. So, just you know another source that you can get medication from, so you can go forth and and at least have a starting place of taking care of that patient. And PDMPs are you know. <clears throat> They're kind of a community health safety tool as well, um, because they're addressing two sides, multiple sides of an issue related to one, the same actions, basically, you know, because there there is um, substance use disorder concerns in our communities today. Um, Being someone from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, um, who's had a long history um, the the issue of opioids and substance use disorder in Appalachia is just um, overwhelming, has been for years. Um, and so there's kind of a community health angle of PDMPs. You know, how healthy are our communities? There's a person patient health a- angle of our co- PDMPs of, you know, are our patients being properly treated? Um, are they getting access to the treatment they need if they do have a substance use disorder? Um, can they be identified for intervention? Um, and just, you know, what drug is is Grandma Mary on that Grandma Mary can't remember, you know, from that whole realm. But then there's the other side of the community health issue uh, that PDMP support too, and that's the diversion side of, you know, there's there's big money to be made in controlled substances. Um, there are some tremendous issues going on around the country um, that pharmacists might not be uh, surprised to hear about, but I suspect a lot of the lay people out there in the world would be very surprised to know that there are drugs that they would have never imagined that are being diverted, um, uh, have high street values, um, are being um you know, kind of altered into another new and glamorous uh, drug of choice on the street. So PDMPs cross a really wide spectrum. Um, and I like to say community health because we can say public health, we can say patient safety, but, you know, it's really about making our community safer for individuals and for all of us collectively. You know, I, I love the way you wrapped it up in this kind of blanket of you know, community safety and patient safety, because really that's what PDMPs are all about. Um, when when I look at the PDMP from the long-term care side, you know, I see what you mentioned, Brandy, the value in transitions of care and maintaining a as concrete and reliable med list for that patient, you know, as they go from hospital to nursing home to home to aftercare and outpatient. Uh, services, what have you, there are the number of transitions that occur, especially with the elderly population, you know, they're always being seen by multiple providers. Another trend that I've spoken with uh, several operators in the long-term care space about, and some of my listeners uh, may be able to back me up on this, is we're seeing an increased role of long-term care pharmacies in servicing places like inpatient rehabs, medication-assisted treatment, substance use disorder treatment, uh, you know, suboxone clinics, uh, with the elimination of the ex-DEA waiver, allowing basically anyone with a DEA license to prescribe suboxone for opioid use disorder uh, has led to an increase in the availability of this drug. And outpatient rehabs are a really great model for long-term care pharmacy. So, uh, 
one of the reasons this is such a, a near and dear topic to my heart is there's an organization that I've been a member of for the past several years, and I've been attending their events, uh, and it flies under the radar. Uh, I guarantee you most of you haven't heard about NASCA, uh, N-A-S-C-S-A, uh, and here's their website here. It's NASCSA.org. And what they are is the National Association of State-Controlled Substance Authorities. Um, and they just had their annual conference uh, back in October, uh, which I was there. Gene, Brandy, you guys were there as well. Um, and so tell me a little bit about NASCA and your involvement and what you get out of uh, your participation with that organization. Uh, and tell me, you know, just in your perspective, uh, you know, what's the value that NASCA provides uh, both to PDMPs and to pharmacies? So the first time I attended NASCA, it was actually virtual because it was during COVID. But um, so I've attended both as, and Jean has too, both a PDMP admin, that perspective, and then coming back as uh, basically a PDMP vendor. And what I enjoy about NASCA is their dedication to education. It, it's not just um, PDMP directors coming together and saying, oh, you know, I'm still seeing this in my state or I'm still seeing this. We really do uh, attract a lot of people people from federal level, state level, government wise, who can come in and share what they're seeing. And a lot of times, even though I love to put my head together with fellow PDMP folks to say, okay, we've done this. We know that it's working. What else can we do? What's the next step? What does that look like? And, and to me, that that is great information to have. But just seeing what, um, you know, even some of the field investigators, we were being told that a lot of these, you know, illicit drugs are coming over in Canada of green beans. They're not green beans, obviously, so don't freak out when you buy your can of green beans. But they're they're taking great effort to get these medications, uh, drugs, they're not medications, uh, illicit substances into our country. And so I think it's the awareness that NASCA brings both, um, you know, to me as when I, when I sat on the side of the state and then also sitting on the side of a vendor and saying, okay, we do have these kind of threats coming into our country. Um, you know, we see how it's affecting teenagers, obviously uh, a huge market group for these people, um, Snapchat, how they're using Snapchat to reach out to a lot of these kids. So getting that education first off from NASCA, and it's not just the, the one yearly conference, they do webinars, um, they do them on a monthly basis, and you can find all of those on their website. And I've participated in a lot of them and, and really getting, you know, they're getting national um, folks to come and to speak on these topics. They are, you know, subject matter experts. So the education side and also the networking, it's so interesting. I was talking to the administrator in the state of Indiana and unbeknownst to me, which um, your listeners that are in Indiana are probably going to be able to confirm all of this uh, and agree, but Indiana actually uh, got ranked the top state for pharmacy robberies. <laughs> and I, I just was shocked because, you know, you just don't think you would think, oh, that's happening in California. It's happening in New York. It's happening in Florida, maybe Texas, but Indiana. And so they were able to take the information as far as, well, why is this happening? And, you know, what can we do about it? But also share that information with others. And she was a speaker there to talk about what they had been doing as far as working with law enforcement. And it's not just for, um, obviously, the people that help the PDMP run or administer the PDMP, but a lot of people that also get information from the PDMP. So it, it really is just all things, um, you know, illicit drug and also controlled substances, just to kind of get that heartbeat, if you will, on what the current issues are going on in our country, not just, you know, one state or the other, but, you know, they're here to represent all of the states and and give people, um, you know, just real world uh, information and also advice on how, you know, people are pulling information together, pulling data together, what states have been successful in pulling a lot of their, um, you know, public health records in, um, you know, what are they doing to be able to, to leverage data and then utilize um, not just their healthcare partners, but their um, police partners and, and going about it and really making a change for community safety and especially even school safety too. 
And it's important to understand that PDMPs are only um, a part of what NASCA does because uh, whether everybody else knows it out there, but by federal law, each state has to have its own controlled substance authority who does its own monitoring within its state. And often um, in, in most states, the PDMP is only a piece of that pie. There's actually an agency um, involved or there's um, a department within an agency that is the controlled substance authority. And some states take the pieces of that process and split them across different entities as well. For example, licensings to to prescribe and dispense maybe with one entity where investigation and monitoring is with another entity. So it, it, though all of those folks are who comes to NASCA, which is a greater group than uh, some of the places where PDMPs or some, you know, some of the pharmacy folks ever get to go, you know, you go to a, very, a group who has a very targeted kind of smaller uh, focal point where this this in NASCA involves all of the players in that process. So you'll see people involved with NASCA or in law enforcement, and you'll see people with boards of pharmacies and PDMPs and um, attorney generals and, you know, just a whole public health. And so um, I think that's one of the beauties of NASCA is that that is a there's a larger audience that is part of the organization, which really gives a balanced perspective. There were things I heard at NASCA that I was kind of like, huh, I never thought of it from their perspective, which is one of the beauties of participating in NASCA. You know, you are so right, Jean, because, you know, what I get out of that event is really the, the same types of things, right? Seeing this, this conglomeration of stakeholders in the under the big umbrella of controlled substance use and policy, right? As pharmacists, you know, we're, we think about controlled substances a lot <laughs> um, because that's a big chunk of our business, right? A lot of the regulations that we have to follow on the pharmacy side involve how we, you know, receive, store, dispense, and keep track of controlled substance data. And at NASCA, you really get the opportunity to connect the dots and hear from the different states and different stakeholders from the federal government. There's folks from the DEA there. You get to connect those dots and see the connection between policy and regulation and the actual data. And you can gauge the effectiveness of, you know, is what we're doing the right thing? Is it having the impact that we intended? And is it having um, unintended impact, right? You can you can make those causal and causative uh, assumptions and analyses that really give you some keen insight. You know, one of the things that we've seen the PDMP do over the past uh, decade is monitoring the uh, overprescribing of opioids. Uh, there's a whole world of topics we can discuss on there, and that's actually not my podcast. That's another one here on the network. But when we talk about opioid overprescribing, we've seen how that PDMP data was leveraged to really curb and bring that down. And we've seen prescribing from for opioids decrease uh, quite a bit over the last decade. However, you know, this is driven by better monitoring. You know, there's a tangible line you can draw between policy and the data that the PDMP shows and the overprescribing of opioids. I mean, consequently, we've seen an uptick in fentanyl. Um, and we get that kind of data too from NASCA. It helps us see the data on opioid overdoses, uh, fatal and non-fatal overdoses, that kind of thing. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on Framework Focus, but stick around. We'll be right back with more to come from Gene Hall and Brandy Van Patten of Logicoy. In 1983, GeriMed continues to support independent pharmacies servicing long-term care, LTC, and LTC pharmacy medical at-home patients. Traditionally, group purchasing organizations only offer clients contract pricing on pharmaceuticals and other products. GeriMed exceeds that tradition by offering unique pharmacy programs and resources to complement our competitive contract pricing, including LTC, a Medicare Part D reimbursement network. GeriMed strives to be a leader in service development by actively developing programs, 
resources, and tools to help improve our customers' patient care. Find out how partnering with GeriMed can position your pharmacy for optimal growth and success. Visit gerrymedgso.com. That's gerrymedgso.com. A point that I was going to make is that I think PDMPs have not just monitored, but they have really been very effective in educating. Um, and, you know, I don't think that we got in this opioid crisis for a lot of reasons that were beyond the prescriber and the pharmacist. And um, PDMPs have been instrumental, I think, in in being able to educate. Um, and we didn't just have a change because we were monitoring, but some of that education really opened people's eyes and they began to look for different ways um, and to and to understand risk. I mean, I think, you know, we could talk forever about um, dope sick and all of those things. But, you know, there was a big outside pressure and push that these things were safe. Um, and so a lot of the patients, providers, pharmacists got into these situations really very innocently. There was no nefariousness to it. It was like, oh, these are safe. Oh, wait a minute. They don't look like they're so safe anymore. Well, and just cutting out practices that, you know, we used to do. I can remember, and I call myself a baby pharmacist when, you know, I'd first started practicing it was totally the norm for everybody. It was like a nightcap. You know, you got your Ativan, you got your Lord tab, and then, you know, you got your Ambien and you trottle it on off to bed. And it's like, how do these people even wake up in the morning? It really is um, phenomenal when you think back, but that was just what everyone did. And now that we've really started, it's definitely that awareness, you know, what you're putting in your body, how's it affecting you, how's it affecting other medications. So, um, so yeah, I, I agree, Jean, it, it really has, you know, the, the steps of participating in it, looking at it, you know, putting the data into it is one thing, but then just the awareness, people kind of woke up and said, oh my gosh. <laughs> When we left off, we were talking about NASCA, the National Association of State Controlled Substance Authorities, and the importance of not just awareness, but participation in uh, organizations like NASCA, because it's this coming together of you know prescription drug monitoring programs, controlled substance authorities at the state level, you see law enforcement there, and also you have big pharma and you have the DEA. You know, so you can ask a question to the director of the DEA on one hand, and then talk to a company who's coming out with a, uh, you know, a schedule one drug that's in research right now for potential therapeutic application. And to me, it's just really fascinating. It's for something that can seem very dull, uh, you know, mired in like the, the, you know, that when we think of government, you know, we think of policy, people start to drift off, but it's actually very exciting. Uh, so what's your takeaway from the conference we just had uh, up in Minnesota at NASCA? Uh, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, I was going to uh, even go back to last year. I don't know if you were there last year, but one of the most fascinating things that um, I sat in on last year was the researchers um, who were doing research on the use of at least LSD, basically, addict stress disorder. Um, and the thought that we were going to take something that is a schedule one drug potentially um, and bring it into the realm of drugs into the legal, legal realm and see value in it. And we were talking about it, you know, as controlled substance monitoring authorities, we were learning about the research and the impact and the success of that drug in the treatment of disorder and the process that they they were going through with the FDA to bring something to market that you would have never imagined. Um, and NASCA is really great at being even on the edge of providing those kind of insights um, to folks, you know, that, that that's a little bit outside of our world. Um, but they brought us, you know, they brought that information to us. And that, so I think that that's, that's my one takeaway. The you know, you go to a lot of conferences and there's just kind of one path on all the presentations. And we, we, you know, NASCA has all of these different vantage points and they bring these group, you know, um, 
they bring these folks together and different from those different perspectives and provide information that's really valuable in seeing the big picture and seeing to where tomorrow's going to take us as opposed to being rooted in what we're just doing today. You know, you talk about tomorrow and seeing where that future is because these aren't laws that are set in stone. These aren't policies that are permanent. These things are in flux and we've seen change and growth on the policy and regulatory side, uh, especially when it comes to controlled substance monitoring. And one of the places we see the most change is within the prescription drug monitoring programs themselves. So at the state level, the states uh, require the pharmacies to submit dispensing data, and they in turn use that data to generate big insights, right? And the way that they get that data though, they use a specific type of data transaction they use the ASAP or standard, which is the American Society for Automation and Pharmacy. Uh, it's a very particular uh, code that's used to transmit prescription dispensing information to the PDMP uh, for analysis. And so that code is now being updated. Uh, we're seeing there's a new version that's out and available for use January 1st. It's ASAP 5.0. Um, Talk to us a little bit about the opportunities and concerns you have for this new version of the ASAP standard and what that really means for the PDMP as well as the pharmacy. So I think when, uh, you know, the talk was with ASAP 5.0, we we were coming from 4.2A um, and then there was B, which was just a few tweaks, obviously, to 4.2. And so it became obvious for the people in the PDMP world that we we still needed the better data, but we needed more data. And 5.0 coming out um, has really kind of added to that. And I will definitely let Jean speak on this. She's definitely more the expert than I am. But I think an overarching thing is just that there's going to be more fields that are going to be captured that more than likely pharmacies are having to capture anyway. And I think a lot of that came because of COVID. Um, so many uh, data points that you know the, the um, CDC was requesting and requiring for these COVID vaccinations and knowing that pharmacies, um, pharmacists, pharmacy technicians were definitely... Um, um, kind of taking care of a lot of patients with those vaccines. So they needed to capture those different data points. This is, to me, uh, something that was is definitely timely for us and, and to be able to give us those extra data points to make the information that then our providers can see on the flip side even more important. But Jean, I will definitely let you talk more specifics. Well, and I think a lot of it's geared towards analysis and understanding um, prescribing and dispensing and, and public health. Um, so there's there's even data data elements that exist that are being expanded to capture more information um, or more granular information such as gender or, um, but I think it's a unique time for this to be happening. Um, and that unique time is going to actually be a challenge in some communities uh, because uh, some of the things that we're seeking that, that need to be data inputs, I think, to to the states so that they can create solutions um, or aid in solutions in their communities are going to be a challenge to collect as well. Um, I, I think about the even the topic of the expanded gender identification that will be in ASOP 5.0, um, that coming about at the same time when um, Many states are going to mandatory electronic prescribing. And so now you no longer have that person in front of you to get that information, but a need to collect and report that information um, to the state. And so I think it's going to be a time where we're going to have to work together um, as software vendors in the data collection side um, and, pro and provision, as uh, uh, pharmacy management system vendors. And then we together, we need to go to those partners we have on the electronic health record side and say, help us here, uh, because you're the one seeing the patient and you also have a relationship that can help you extract some of this information in, a, in more than we do. 
um, a pharmacy tech at the counter when a prescription is being handed to you or it comes in electronically does not have the same opportunity to, to get some of that information from the patient that a provider does that spends 20 minutes in a, an exam room with a patient or 10 or 15 minutes in the exam room. So I think while it's exciting that we're adding these data points to it, I think it's really going to call require a collaborative effort between folks like you uh, and SoftWriters, um, us as a PDMP solution provider or a data collection solution provider, the states, and then our partners out there on the electronic health record side to figure out how can we bring these data points to bet together in the most efficient way. Um, and, um, you know, to meet our ultimate goals together. And then how are we going to do that? Um, you know, I think there's going to be some challenges with it, but, you know, there's always a little pain, pain when you're trying to grow and gain more information um, and, and I think it's definitely going to have to be a collaborative effort. You know, if you're not seeing the patient, how are you going to even ask the gender question? And that's just a simple field. Um, and are, are you in the position to have a gender conversation in a pharmacy that might better happen in, in the, uh, family practice office or the provider's office, and then that information come to the pharmacy in the way that needs to go to the ASAP. I think it's going to, it's a unique opportunity. Um, you can always say that things are challenges, but I found it with every challenge in life is usually a hidden opportunity if you approach it from the right perspective. Um, and it may be a great time for us all to come together a little closer across the whole spectrum and try to figure out what's the best way to get the best information to the states. You know, you bring up a really good point, Gene, because one of the big themes we see in the health IT universe, if we zoom way out, is this concept of interoperability. The theory, the philosophy of having all of the data in one central place that everyone can agree upon as a source of truth, making sure that the various systems that are used to manage patient care from the pharmacy to the long-term care facility to the hospital uh, to patient-driven apps, we all have the same data we're looking at. And having that consistent set of data helps prevent errors, right? Helps us to have a much better idea of who these patients are, the types of care they need so that we can tailor and personalize our treatment plans for them to get optimal outcomes. You know, I, I want to talk about pharmacies in particular here. So when we think about the PDMP, my role as a pharmacist, sometimes I might see that as just, I put data in and it's a big bucket and I put my data in every day and, and that's really it, right? What am I getting out of the deal? So what are some things pharmacies should know about their prescription drug monitoring programs? What kind of questions should they be asking their PDMP? I think one of the first things that pharmacists should know about prescription drug monitoring programs, and I think um, quite honestly, in, at least in Kentucky, we saw a real understanding of that. And, in, and um, our pharmacies were really embracing uh, the PDMP over more recent years is that there's really good information for you as a pharmacist that you may not, you may think you have in your system that a PDMP has, and you really may not realize you do not. For one, most um, pharmacies, if they're getting a data feed of prescriptions, they're getting it from organizations like Shorescripts, which is a pharmacy benefit manager. Guess what? They don't have cash payments in sure scripts. They don't have discount cards or, or subsidy cards all the time where PDMPs have it all. Um, it's mandated that all of that re be reported to us for controlled substances. So um, I can't tell you how many times a pharmacist said to me, I didn't realize my patient was getting this until I checked the PDMP because I didn't see it in the data sources that we had. And that's because it was paid by cash or, or you know, um, through some other program. And there's some things, exciting things on the horizons um, 
as far as that that's concerned as well. Uh, the federal government has always prohibited the reporting of um, uh, opioid treatment programs to PDMPs, methadone clinics is how they are commonly referred to. And that legislation, that statute changed um, about 18 months ago, I believe, Brandy. And so PDMPs are going to have information on even methadone treatment programs moving forward. If this patient's in a methadone treatment program, uh, the federal government, again, calls them opioid treatment programs, OTPs. Um, but P we're working with Illinois. They are, were the first state to go live on their portal, and we're going to have it in the integration very soon, where you can not only see whether a patient has received a dispense at a pharmacy, but whether they're in an OTTP program as well. Um, so there's a lot of value to pharmacists. Uh, a pharmacist would never want to dispense hydrocodone to a patient if they knew they were in treatment at a methadone clinic. But if you don't have access to that information, how do you know that? Um, I also will tell you, I'm a huge pharmacist fan um, and it's, I'm in good company today, but I feel like pharmacists really understand the corresponding responsibility very well. That's been, you know, taught in pharmacy schools, uh, you know, across the nation. And um, I think that um, many pharmacists are really embracing the PDMP because that helps them um, meet that responsibility more effectively. Um, but there's other sources of information that data, PDMPs are pulling into their reports today as well um, that can be helpful. Naloxone administrations, uh, uh, non-fatal overdoses, um, help me brand medical cannabis. Yeah. So across the country, PDMPs are pulling these other data sets in that really do it is relevant information to a pharmacist as well. Um, it may even just be just because someone had a non-fatal overdose doesn't mean that they're using drugs or they have a substance use disorder. They may not have understood the instructions or the importance of following the instructions, you know, and that's an opportunity, you know, for a pharmacist to say, um, hey, you know, I saw you had a non-fatal, you, you know, you had maybe a visit to emergency room, you had a non-fatal overdose. It may not have even been an opioid, could have been any other controlled substance, basically. Um, let me talk to you a little bit more about taking this drug appropriately. Um, and, you know, so I think there's a lot of opportunities we offer for information that really aids in the provision of clinical care. And in your um, customer community, I think that's a really relevant talk because, you know, um, seniors don't always um, sometimes have challenges in the arena following drug, you know, instructions for medications, um, you know, and it depends probably on, you know, who that customer is, how much autonomy they have in their medications. If it's somebody in assisted living, they might have a little more autonomy in taking their medication. And, you know, some of those things are really important. Um, points for you as a long-term care for, uh, software, you know, support. No, Gene, you bring up a really good point. When we talk about long-term care and appropriate use of opioids and other controlled substances, sometimes we tend to create this idea in our head that we're thinking about the retail pharmacy mm -hmm. doctor shopper, and that's what these policies are written for. But actually, there's a much broader uh, array of purposes that you can apply the PDMP to to help patients get better results and help improve the quality of their care. Uh, in long-term care, we have a lot of pharmacies that service correctional facilities or halfway houses, group homes, uh, places where even though you may not be administering your own medication, these drugs are administered to you, uh, there are issues with substance abuse. You know, just because someone's in assisted living or a nursing home doesn't mean that, you know, you don't have diversion, that you don't have misuse, you don't have people getting medications from other sources, and making sure the pharmacy's on on one single page, having that one page view of everything a patient's taking and being aware of the broader spectrum of 
medications that are coming into you know my patient's care so that I can help make responsible decisions you know because without that information it, you're really kind of being short-sighted sometimes and you run the risk of not having all the right information you need to make the best possible decision for that patient well and I think it I think that Long-term care facilities, long-term care pharmacy is going to be more and more in this realm moving forward. Uh, the population that was at the heart of the opioid epidemic is aging. And um, it, it has become abundantly clear to me over the years that um, there is a clinical case for some people have, having long-term use of medication-assisted therapy. Um, and so eventually you're going to see folks in long-term care who may also be on MAT. Um, and, you know, having all that information and, and having the PDMP as a resource and their partners as a resource on learning more about medication-assisted therapy, um, treating patients, monitoring patients, um, taking those medications is going to become a bigger part of, I think, your pharmacist's world at, in years to come. Absolutely. And Mark, if I could just add, you know, I feel like the the thing for pharmacists, no matter what you're setting, because you're right, the typical person probably does think about the retail pharmacist that has someone coming in with a prescription for an opioid. And a lot of states have mandatory use and they have to do it. But I feel like long-term care um, is definitely growing and expanding. When I first came out, obviously long-term care basically meant geriatrics, but I have a very good friend who I worked in uh, long-term care with her early on. And she now works in, it's basically folks that have presented to the ER, they're having some kind of, you know, psychotic crisis. And then they come into her facility. So these are grown adults and she's going to have them for about 30 days. And yeah, they, you know, it's, it's not just our, um, our elderly who may not remember what they're on, but a lot of these people, they don't know what they're on or they don't want to tell you what they're on as well. And, you know, she's told me time and time again in South Carolina, how much she uses the PDMP, how she wishes it collected even more medications and uh, gave her even more information. And I really do hope that that's the future for PDMPs. I know there are a couple of other states, Nebraska, again, is all medications. There are other states that are considering it. Colorado, it's basically the Board of Pharmacy can choose at any time if they want to do all medications. Um, a few other states that are very interested in bringing this to light. And then, like Jean said, the ones that are collecting a lot of this extra additional data, Illinois with the Noxone administration. Um, Utah does a great job with collecting if, if there was an overdose episode and that can come through the PDMP and, and we're working hard to bring that information through for integrations as well. So, and, and I get it. I know pharmacists, um, as most healthcare providers are overloaded, we are asking uh, a lot of them um, and to fill their day. But I think it's one of those things that if they're not already using it, you know, I really do encourage folks to get in there, um, just pick a patient, see what you can find, and then think about how you can incorporate that. And I think that's the biggest deal is just understanding if you're not already using it, what does your workflow look like? How can you add that, um, you know, to your day, to your patient encounter? When would you pull it up? When would you want to look at it? So, um, and I think it, it's just a great way to also for your, your patients that you can have conversations with to, you know, ask them, um, get some conversations going and, and help them understand that there is a safety piece that you're looking at. It's not that you're coming from doom and gloom. You shouldn't be on this, but, you know, it's a great conversation to have as far as safety concerns, especially in long-term care with geriatrics, working with the family members, um, you know, why, why can't my mother have whatever and just, you know, having those honest conversations because you have that data coming through to the PDMP. So I definitely encourage use of it, no matter what the setting is, figuring out how to incorporate it in your day. And knowing that we do have folks on the other side, Jean and I looking and seeing what, what does the state have? How can we glean some of that data and how can we put it into the PDMP to make it even more, you know, as far as a richer data set? That is an absolutely fantastic uh, setup to close out our show, Brandy. Um, I really love the way that you talk so passionately about the PDMP and the connections, right? Connecting the dots 
for the pharmacist, you know, behind the bench, you know, working in a closed door pharmacy, you can tend to feel isolated from your patients and isolated from your practice. But the PDMP is really a lifeline to the broader set of care that's going on for that individual patient and poses so many benefits that if you're not currently making interaction with the PDMP uh, part of your daily workflow, something to consider, tremendous amount of value there to be unlocked. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I want to thank Todd Urie and the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'd like to thank my guests, Gene Hall and Brandy Van Patten of Logicoy. I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for making us a part of your day. And we will see you next time on Framework Focus.